Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. How do you know? How do you know that Holy Spirit, He lives in you? And here go, here go a few things, right? Because this is important. This is, um, if you don't know, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you, you, need, you, need to, you need to make some adjustments. You need to make some changes. So the way we know that we have the Holy Spirit, one thing is that there is a conviction about sin. Um, somebody, when I wasn't saved, there was no conviction about sin. I just sinned. I enjoyed it. When I got away with stuff, I felt great about getting away with stuff. Then I got saved. In today's message, Pastor Bill will share with you some telltale signs that the Holy Spirit is a part of your life. One marker that tells whether or not the Holy Spirit is present is conviction. What do you feel or think when you make a mistake? Is it something like, I got caught? Or is it more, I sinned against God? Whether or not you feel convicted about the sin in your life is a surefire why to know if the Holy Spirit is part of your life. If he isn't, you won't care if you sin. You might even be glad that you did sin. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as he continues his message, A Resurrected Hope. Verse 3, he says, If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Um, it's speaking about our, our bodies. You know, we're not going to be bodiless spirits. We have bodies on earth, they'll temporary, they'll shed. Um, in the next realm, we're going to also have bodies that are eternal um, made in the heavens. You know, we're not going to be without bodies. You know, God has created this, this body that the Bible says in the first Corinthians, it talked about how that, that this corruption will put on incorrupt, incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. This body right here is not made for eternity. Um, I can't go to heaven in this one right here. It's, it's tainted. But there's another one. There's a body that God has prepared for me that can be in eternity. You know, and it's, I think of it like you, you see the people that go into space. They're going into another realm. They're going into another. Re- they, they, they have to prepare. They can't. You can't go to space like you are right now. You'll get up there and go. It's just it'll be over. You know, they, they got to put you in a suit. They got to put you in something that's created for that environment. None of us can go to heaven in this thing right here. Uh, it's sinful. It's jacked up. It, it just don't don't work. But I, that's why I think we look forward to the new body. I, I can't wait to be in a condition where there's no sin, no struggle. There's no battle. You know, you won't be in heaven beefing with people for y'all that struggle with argument. You won't, you won't be in heaven arguing with folks, you know, uh, whatever you struggle with, whatever you battle with down here. When you get there, you won't be battling with it. You won't be you won't be tempted to steal your neighbors, you know, trinkets and whatnot. You know, um, we're going to be in a good space. And I used to wonder, you know, when I, I didn't understand how it all worked, I was like, man, if Satan got kicked out, I wonder if we can get to heaven and then mess up and get kicked out. Um, and I, I used to, that would trouble me. That's a troubling thought. Could you get to heaven and then do something wrong? And then God be like, that's, you messed up. You got to go. I kicked out the devil, kick you out too. You can, you can rest assured that's not the case. Um, you know, Satan was an angel um, and they have a different reality. They, they were already in the presence of God. They, they've seen his unveiled glory. And so to resist him from that position, God said that there, there's no other alternative. For you and I in Hebrews, it says, that God didn't give aid to the angels, but he did give aid to the seed of Abraham. And when you look at that, you know, it might have, if, if, you go, if you're trying to go to college and you don't have money, you need financial aid, right? If you're trying to you get sick and get hurt, you need first aid. We got spiritual issues. We need spiritual aid. God said, I, made, I, give, I give aid to the seed of Abraham. God made available to you and me help that he didn't make available to the angels. 
And so when they fail, it's, it's, there's no plan of redemption for them. You and I are fallen, but God makes a plan of redemption. We can be forgiven. We can be washed. And what God does is permanent. And so uh, when it says this, our sins are washed away in the blood of Christ, when it's washed away, it's gone. When I stand before God, it's not there. Um, and when I get up there, I'll get a new nature so that I won't mess up again. And so um, they're, they're just so I want to answer that question. So you can't get there and mess up and get kicked out, which I'm glad because I, I, that was, used to worry me. And I'm like, if, somebody, if someone can get kicked out, I think it would be me. I think I would get up there and have a bad day and then be like, man, I was... I think that would be worse than never going to go and be like, it was it was so great. I was there. It was, man, the angels were singing songs and now I'm here with y'all. So I hate this, you know. So I rejoice that that's, that's not true. That won't happen. So uh, verse four, it says, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And so he says, we, we, we groan looking forward to having this, this temporary state swallowed up by life. And if you can take an image, I don't know if you want to gross you guys out. I like the animal channel. If you ever, I watched the, the one on snakes, snakes swallow their food whole. So if you go to the anacondas um, out in the jungles where they are, they, they eat big animals, uh, which is scary. They eat things that are bigger than humans. They eat calves, they eat cows. And so um, you'll find them when, you know, they, they had an animal killed or died. We don't know how it died, but then it's swallowed up and it's complete. Now you look at the animal, you can see the frame of what it ate, but it's gone. It's swallowed up in the anaconda. And that's where, where he says here, it says, look, our mortality, the part of us, the dying part, is going to be swallowed up in life. There'll be nothing else, death. There'll be nothing else that looks like death. We'll just be swallowed up in life. What God is wanting to do for us, God has given us life. When he says he's given us life and that much more abundantly, that's it's a quality of life. It's a it's a it's a it's a duration of life. It's eternal. What God wants to do for his kids. And so death is going to be swallowed up by life for the believer. Again, it should be something that when we understand this is something that we, we groan for. We look forward to If There's not in your heart a a um, I don't want to say a craving, but if there's not an, an excitement, a a desire, something that says, man, I, I look forward to to eternity, then you might not understand it fully. You might be missing some pieces. If there's nothing, there's nothing inside you that says, I look forward to that. Not that you have a death wish, not that you're trying to die early, not that you're, you know, running out in front of trust. I hope I die, you know, but it's, it's, it's uh, the reality that, that God, I, I, I look forward to what's to come. I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. Um, we did a mission, me and Dewan took some kids on a mission trip way back, I think Harmony was like eight years old. We took kids to Japan. And when we did this mission trip, I had this one kid named Michael Chacon. And he was just a little, he was an awesome evangelist. Kid would go out, share the gospel. But, you know, he, he was so excited to be, you know, out and just, he just wanted to run and jump and all these things. And he kept saying, we were saying, Mike, you got to be careful. I, I, I was so concerned. I got all these parents' kids. And, and, you know, every mother came and said, you make sure you take care of my kid. They, they, every mother put that on you real heavy. So the sense of responsibility on me was great. Like I got all these people's kids and you want them, you want to make sure you deliver them back whole and in good shape, you know. And this kid would be running and jumping off of stuff. And we had areas where we went to the lakes and he was jumping off of cliffs and rocks. And, and I'm like, dude, be careful. And this is what he would do every time it would drive us crazy. He would go, yay, he would say, <laughs> he, would, he, would, he would joke that, you know, if I die, I'm going to heaven, yay. And he, would, he kept saying that. I'm like, man, you're going to get, if I die, I'm going to die, go to heaven, yay. And all I can think about is, that's not what your mother is going to be feeling right now, you know. But 
He did that in jest and in joking, but for the believer, that can be the reality in our heart that, you know, when this is over with, right? I'm going to heaven. Like for the believer, this, whatever this life is, it just, the, the, there's a hope. I call this a, a resurrected hope. My future is bright. It, it's, it's going to get, it can only get better. It might be great right now, right? There's a reality right now. It can, it can be going bad, but for the believer, be good because it's a reality in my heart. Like I'm right with God. This, this bad thing that's happening is going to work out for the, for the good. I love the Lord. So I'm just waiting for the good to flip around and work out. So I'm not even overwhelmed by that. Even if it's going bad, right? For the believer, it's, it's, I have a hope. This, my life is not wrapped up in this place. This is not it for me. If this were it, then if it started looking bad, it would be depressing. I'd lose hope. But for me, it's like, no, this is, this is I'm, I'm, I mean, this is for a while, but one day I'll be in heaven. One day it's going to be all over. You know, when I did my mother's funeral, um, she passed away and, and I was, you know, getting all her stuff together and, you know, and then you start seeing that she had bills and hospital things. And I, when I got all her paperwork together, I started seeing maybe what her life looked like, maybe the stresses that were coming through. And I remember sharing that at her funerals. I had all her stuff. I said, man, she ain't got to worry about nothing. I mean, she's not thinking about a bill. She's not thinking about failing health. She's not this all over with. She's with the Lord. Now I'm looking at it, <laughs> you know, I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out like how we get this paid, how we take care of them. But for her, it's over. It's, it's no thoughts. That's our reality for the believer. Now, that's not the reality for the non-believer. And that's why it's so important that we make firm and sure and are confident that we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, that we're born again, that our sins are forgiven. The most important thing you're going to do with this life is surrender it to the Lord. Most important thing. And it, it'd be the. It'd be the most regretful thing that anybody that passes away didn't do, right? Anybody passes away without the Lord, it'll be, it'll be an eternal regret. They'll be eternally sorry. It won't matter what you accomplish in this life. You could think of the greatest athlete, the greatest star, and all the accolades. When you die, they say death is a great equalizer, right? Death, none of it will matter. It won't matter if you were successful, unsuccessful. If you were a millionaire, billionaire, none of it goes with you. Um, when you die, it's, it's, you're locked in at that point. Saved, lost. Child of God, child of the devil. Going to heaven, going to hell. Locked in. And so at death, most important thing will be you could have been a bum, but, but you go to heaven. You know, Jesus gave that illustration. He gave a story. And he said there was a rich man and this beggar named Lazarus. He said the rich man fared sumptuously. That's Bible for he was balling. He had big money. He ate good. He had nice clothes. And it said Lazarus was a poor beggar. He begged for the crumbs that came off the rich man's table and he's full of sores and he just was a beggar. And you got this pitiful picture of this guy. And so they both died. But somehow this beggar with all the sores was a believer. And it said he was escorted by angels into Abraham's bosom, into paradise. But it said the rich man was not a believer. And he was, he was immediately in torment. And he's in torment looking for relief. And I look at that story and I just think, I mean, what a vivid picture that this guy had it all in life, but he didn't have it all. This guy had nothing, but he's good. He's good for eternity. He'll never beg again. He'll never have a sore again. And so we need to have that mindset and, and be aware um, for ourselves, but also as, as we minister to other people. You know, I got to be concerned for the people around me that don't know the Lord yet. I'm, I'm responsible. And that's Really, next week's message is going to be heavily speaking to us about our, our responsibility to be ambassadors. 
and to be sharing with people. So I'll, I'll leave that for next week. So um, moving on, verse five, he says, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. And so, um, you know, God, one of the things that God has given to every believer is given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. It's how I know I'm his. Um, now, here's the if, if there's a tricky thing, the tricky thing is this, that I don't see the Holy Spirit. Right. When God gave me the Holy Spirit. I didn't like it. I didn't get attacked with it. Like I got my tech, got mine. So I got it. You got it. We don't get anything. I don't get anything vivid, visual. So how do you know that you got the Holy Spirit? How do you know? How do you know that Holy Spirit belongs? He lives in you. And here go here go a few things, right? Because this is important. This is um, if you don't know, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you, you need you need to you need to make some adjustments. You need to make some changes. So. The way we know that we have the Holy Spirit, one thing is that there is a conviction about sin. Um, somebody, when I wasn't saved, there was no conviction about sin. I just sinned. I enjoyed it. When I got away with stuff, I felt great about getting away with stuff. Then I got saved and there was a conviction about what I was doing. There was a conviction about even there were things that before I would do them, there was a sense of conviction that, man, I, I, I know I know I'm not supposed to. Then I would do stuff I wasn't supposed to do. And now I felt bad about stuff. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, I used to be fine. Now I just do a little thing and I feel all bad. And that's Holy Spirit. That's one evidence that you belong to the Lord. Holy Spirit will convict you. Uh, he will comfort you. He will lead you. I'm always concerned when I see believers that are people that that seem to bounce from cult to cult and false teaching to false teaching. Because one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide us in all truth. So either they're, they're absent of the Holy Spirit. And so they're vulnerable to cults and false beliefs or they resist his leading and end up in those things. But it's always a it's always a concern for me. You know, it's like, well, how come you, you seem like you're prone to end up in these things? Well, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide you in all truth and make you really uncomfortable with that stuff. And, uh, and I've experienced that before I knew any verses, you know. Um, so Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. And another thing that he does is he gives us he makes us confident that we're saved. You know, and so some if, if you find that, man, I'm 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 not confident that I belong to. I got I'm I'm I'm, I'm weary. I got I'm, I got I doubt more that I am than I am. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is, you know, Paul's going to say in verse six. Now, so we are always confident. How are you confident? Because the Holy Spirit makes me confident. Holy Spirit makes me confident that I belong to the Lord. There was a work of grace that I never earned it, that I didn't deserve it. But God did it for me and that, that I know that I'm his. The Holy Spirit does that. I'm not confident because, you know, I'm confident. God makes us confident. When Paul says that, it's emphatic. We are always confident. How? Holy Spirit gives you that. And so if you find that I'm not always, I'm always doubting, I'm always questioning, then, then we want to ask before we're done today for a fresh outpouring of God's spirit upon your life that God would put you in a place where there'd be confidence. And then you would also check your life because sometimes the way you live, I have you wondering too, you know, there are people that are saved, but they live in so foul that, you know, they got questions. Um, there are people that are not saved that think they are saved. I think that's a dangerous place as a pastor. Right. This is um, these are touchy places, you know, because in one sense you realize I'm not called to judge. I'm not called to judge you whether you are or are not. God's the judge, but I can be a fruit inspector. And so, you know, God has said you will know them by their fruits. There are certain things that God has said, look, if you're a believer, this won't be right. Go to Galatians. He says, look, uh, uh, no fornicator will inherit the kingdom. 
No homosexual will inherit the kingdom. No alcoholic or drunkard will inherit the kingdom. So if someone is living habitually that lifestyle, but claiming to be a believer, am I right to say that according to the scriptures, you, you, you can't be? Like you couldn't inherit the kingdom unless God's lying. That you would need to repent of that at some point. At some point, your faith in God would need to move you to repent that that stopped. Now, I'm not saying if you're not, I know believers struggle with stuff. I'm not talking about someone that's battling and struggling with sin and they fell and they got back up. I'm saying someone that's given over. Um, I, I'm, this is how I'm getting down, but I'm saved. Um, it's a scary place. You know, it's a, it's a, it, for me, it's a really uncomfortable place, but I, I've been, I'm, I'm more inclined to tell someone that, no, nah, I, I think you have something to be worried about. Right. Where's 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 the Holy Spirit in you saying, I got to repent because I know, you know, when I, when I see people get saved, the Holy Spirit moves inside. He's beckoning them. He's calling them to stop it, to repent. And, and I don't see that. I don't see that struggle. I don't see you desiring to stop. You seem like I've, I've, I've known people in particular sins that are like, no, God just going to have to take this. I'm like, it don't work like that. I don't think I don't think it works. I don't think you're going to be able to stand before God and say, God, just you're going to have to take me like this. Y'all know that we don't get to set the terms. That's a scary place, but that's we live in a world where that's kind of how people want to put it forth. That you know God has to accept it. No, He doesn't. God, God's going to be true to His word. God's going to what His word says. This is where God is. I'm revealing who I am through my word, and so I know God not because of what I think. A lot of people want to know a God that they create in their mind. I just feel like God would just accept. No. Nobody care what you feel like. You ain't God. I'm not God. I can't stand here before you guys and say, you know what? I just think God would, you could just walk out. It don't matter what I think about God. I got to say it is written. God said this. So that's what, I, that's how we feel. I feel like what he said is true. Amen. Amen. Let God be true in every man. Of, so he said it. We believe it. That settles it. That's, that's how we move. That's how we get, that's how we move our lives. And so. We want to be able to be confident. Well, one way, uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit makes us confident, but also um, we look at our lifestyle. You know, we can live in such a way that we we hinder ourselves. We, we, leave, we cause ourselves to doubt. And so we want to be cautious about that. Again, verse six. So we're always confident. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mention this. When he says that God gives us the guarantee, um, you know, in verse five, he says he has, pre- he, has, he has prepared for us. This very thing, God was also given us the spirit as a guarantee. That word guarantee, it's um, it's a word that means a partial payment, um, you know, like a, like a down payment that God has given. And uh, in the modern Greek, it, it, the, the term means an engagement ring. You know, so someone gives an engagement ring. It's a it's a it's like a, the engagement ring says, hey, I, I'm I have strong intentions. I'm we, we, we doing this. You know, um, God has said, look, you're, you're mine here. Here's my down payment that you belong to me. And so if you can know that, man, I have the Holy Spirit living in me, then don't ever don't ever doubt. Write down when the Holy Spirit does things, write them down and let those be things that when you have a doubt, you go back. Now, I remember when the Holy Spirit convicted me about that. I remember when the Holy Spirit led me that way. I remember when he moved upon me to do this. I know that I do have the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and you might want to write those things down. I remember at one point I was encouraged by somebody that, you know, God only disciplines those that are his. And so and I had more than once come under the discipline of God as a Christian that I knew, you know, you know, you know, when God, you, you do something, you know, you're not supposed to do it. And then God does something and you know, like, I know that happened because God, I'm sorry. You got me. I know. I know for a fact. I know that happened because I was doing that. And they were, I was told, so I was like, write that down. Because one way, you know, you're his. He don't spank their kids. He spanks his kids. You've been spanked. Take, you know, so if there's only if there's any upside to being disciplined by God, it's well, at least I know I'm his. You know, 
Crazy luck, because you don't spank, you know, I, I don't spank your kids, but I, I, if, I, if need be, I spank mine. So, um, and God, God spanks his kids. So um, now verse six says, so we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And so while we're in this body, we're not present with the Lord in the fullest way. Uh, we may, you know, enter into his presence. We may spend time with him in his word, but it, it's a um, we're not fully with him like we will be. You know, one of the things we look forward to in heaven is that we're going to be with him. Amen. Um, if you think what's the what's the what's going to be the most awesome thing about heaven? We're going to be with him. That's going to be the most awesome thing. We're going to be with the Lord. Uh, we're going to be with the one that died for us, with the one that loved us, with the one that sacrificed everything to forgive us and to save us, with the one that showed us such great mercy. We'll be with him and, and we'll worship him together. Um, it's going to be one of the great things of eternity. We're going to be with the Lord. And so right now we know that we're, we're absent from him in that sense. And then verse seven. And here's the context. We know this verse. You hear it all the time. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And you hear it in different settings. Well, hear it in this context. Right. So we walk by faith and not by sight. What's he what's he what's he getting at? Right. Do we see God? No, not right now. And so everything we do, how we walk with God right now is by faith. I don't see God. I don't see Jesus. I'm not walking with him flesh, you know, hand in hand. And so right now, I'm only able to walk with God by faith. It's not something I do. I don't do it by sight. If I needed to do it by sight, I wouldn't do it right. God said, now for right now, you walk by faith, not by sight. You've never seen me, but you heard my words. I've never, you know, never had, you know, flesh contact with the Lord. But God said, I've revealed myself through scripture. I'm, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit as a down payment. You know, um, there's a reality. You look forward to being with me in, 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 in my presence. That's going to be in heaven. But until then, you walk by faith and not by sight. And so. Here goes a challenging thing because there's nothing really dynamic about a walk, right? Walking is kind of a mundane, but it's how you make progress, spiritual progress. And God says, but I need you to do it by faith. I'm only going to be willing to walk so far if I got to walk by sight. Um, and I've been this, this last year. That was probably the those were some of the biggest challenges for me. God was calling me to trust him beyond what I could see in many areas. And so God would say, look, I've called you to do that. I don't see it yet. So now it'll be by faith. Right. Faith requires me to obey beyond what I could see, um, to trust beyond what I could see. There are things that I read in the Bible that doesn't make sense to me. But but God says by faith, don't do it by sight, do it by faith. Um, you know, I, I, there's some things I read and I just don't understand how that would ever work. But I know that they work when I obey. I, and, and it's by faith, not by sight. Don't don't you can't have a relationship with God where everything works out cookie cutter. You know, God, I'm my five year plan. I want to know this, this and this and this. I want everything dialed in first. Then I'll obey you. God's like, then you can't walk with me because God will tell you like he told Abram, go, go where, Lord, to a place that I will show you after you get going. <laughs> that's how God is. God's like, you know, that's, that's a hard. Is that, is that a difficult thing? Go. OK, to pick up my family, all my belongings, everything. Move from my country. Yes. OK, and, and, and just go. But where to, to a place that I will show you? That's that's saying, just trust me, get going. Trust me to go. Trust me as you go. Trust me along the way while you're going. Trust me. Don't don't look for you get you get direction a step at a time. Just right now, the direction is go. You get more next. Some believers are stuck where they're stuck at because they want another direction. They haven't taken step one. God said, go. You're like, I'm waiting for all these other dots to line up. You know, it doesn't work like that. Don't work like that. If God said go, then you get going. Get getting. 
and he'll, he'll give you the next thing as you as you get going. But if I'm looking for step two and God's like, you haven't obeyed step one, I got nothing. To, we got nothing to talk about. I got no new direction. I, if, you, you, you'd, you'd be clear about step two as you were walking into step one. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader, and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your support of a transforming word.